We're going to get, get stuck into our segment. I'd love to see you do it again, though, and see what happens. Yay or nay, which was such a success yesterday that I bumped it up the batting order. <laughs> It'll be at 12 o'clock every day, or tw- 12 past 12 when we go overtime with our guests, uh, where I throw a couple of things at Matty Stewart. Sometimes he's aware of what they are, sometimes he's not. Today he's not. And uh, if Steve-O's feeling up to it and he's sort of gathered himself, we'll get him involved as well here in a moment. Matthew, here we go. Ready Don't for ho- reach for that dead old watch, ready- Steve-O. Hands to your side. <laughs> are you ready for the hot topics? Yep. I heard you say something a little bit earlier today, so I wanted to get your thoughts a bit more on it. Is the autumn better than the spring for racing? Yes. Explain. Well, Steve-O might... You know, you're a casual observer. The weather's better. Uh, the horses look better. The, you know, if you're an attendee, there's nothing like going when it's 24 degrees. The spring's very fluky. I reckon the, the wet weather, um, the, 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 the woolly coats hang to the horses a bit longer when you're coming out of August, September. Even, I've been to Caulfield Cups where it's been 12 degrees, you know, but I've also been to Caulfield Cups where it's been 33 degrees. But um, this time. the quality of racing? Absolutely. Yep. Newmarket, Lightning. The quality of racing doesn't change. The mm-hmm. Melbourne Cup is the big public event in the spring, but um, Lightning's new markets, um, All-Star Miles now. Uh, I just prefer it. And to be honest, because I'm a bit claustrophobic and antisocial, um, I quite like being at the races when it's not... Some, the VRC actually put a cap on crowds, Steve-O, because... People were nearly suffocating during Cup Week. Well, yep. They're getting they got one hundred twenty six thousand from Melbourne Cup one year. So, I think all the relaxed and they put a relaxed racing theme into the summer autumn as well. So, yeah, what, you kind of get the argument there, Steve. Or are you a crowdman? I'm a crowdman. I'm a buzzman. So I like the buzz. There's still a buzz. But I get caught up in the hype of spring. So that's a great little segue to my next question. It, it is: Are crowds actually important? Yep. Oh, super important. I love the broadcast. I love racing.com, but it's even better when the crowds are there and you've got emotion in the crowd. I think it might have been the late Les Carlion or Ruler or one of those really smart arm's length observers who said, it, in order for it to be really worthwhile, it has to be worth going to. It's like going to Hamer Hall to okay. see. Ultimately, it has to be worth attending to be an event. You know, otherwise, you may as well put cameras in uh, the tennis stadium and keep the doors shut and just we sit at home and watch Roger Federer or but the other guy. The thing that I've sort guy, of been um, Novak. banging on about in recent times is that it, it, it's becoming so much easier and more convenient and in some ways better to actually stay at home and watch the races or other sporting events. There's, there's so much more appeal to that than what there used to be 10 years ago, and that makes it more difficult to go to the races. Well, that's why the industry has to get more serious about cost, because all the things you say are right, plus cost. So if you can make it way, way less expensive to go to the races, then there's that little incentive to get off the couch. And mm. I think they should be selling the horse, because horses do not look the same on TV as you do when you're standing three feet from Nature's Trip yep. when he's walking past you. So yep. to me, the big sell is still to see the animals, as they say, like go to the zoo. You don't watch the zoo on TV. So mm. um, I think with the AFL too, it's the smell and sound and, you know, that whole thing, Steve, about sights and smells and sounds. And I think that's that's the attraction still of going, isn't it? Oh, definitely. It's nothing like being at a concert to see a yep. live band. You watch the DVD, yeah. it ain't the same. No, no, so you've exactly. got to get there. But they should maybe have a happy hour or something for patrons, don't you think? Yeah, I, I, all Ring of a that. bell and all uh, of that a happy works. hour, mix things up, a random happy hour, three o'clock. 
You just got to make sure people don't get turbo. I was at the Sandringham Club yesterday. They have a bell that rings if you don't turn your mobile phone off, and every time it goes off, someone goes, oh, damn it, I forgot to put it on silent. <laughs> we have to shout the bar. Yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation and debate, and I do agree with you. I think you need people at the sporting events, whether it's the races or the football, because it also adds to the broadcast. That's the other thing as well. It, perception is reality half the time. Well, you know when we played the replay earlier of the Stewards' Cup at Chartin on Sunday, what about the roar, the yep. roar that accompanied it? Yep. You know, there was an idea, Steve, you might remember this, because it was a story in the paper that we, were, we ran, and it was a what-the-hell story about 25 years ago. It was going to be called something like Teletrack, where they were going to create, in the middle of nowhere... A, a or a series of straight tracks just to run never-ending races in front of no audience for an Asia, for the Asian TV market and betting market. Do you have any recollection of that? The, I do, vaguely. Yeah, yeah. It never got off the ground, but it was going to be... It, it was this idea that, that people are only interested in yep. the wagering and the, the result, but not the atmosphere. Yep. And luckily it got knocked on the head. But yeah, was it going to be Broken Hill or somewhere where they film <laughs> Mad Max? I reckon it was South Australia. I reckon it was somewhere close to the border in South Australia. So, mm. no, nah, look, you just it's it still has to get you there. It still has to get you there. Someone's texted in, come on, Matt, the spring is the best value time. Uh, I don't quite get I that. I think what they're saying is you can find better value winners in the spring. Oh, okay. From I a punting a, perspective. I wouldn't have a clue what that really it's means. It's harder but... to find a winner. Well, it depends. <laughs> one, one, three hundred six five two nine two seven. If you think that the spring is a better value time of year, and you can actually explain. But the guy who te- or the girl who texted that in, just give us explain, an asterisk yeah. and explain it, quite what that means. It depends what meeting and how much luck you have, I think, sometimes. Um do you watch jump outs and trials at all when you do your form, Matthew? You know, I've, this is my. Guess, no, I'm just. Yeah. I'm intrigued whether at all you could use them as a reference. Because only because I'm no good at them. Because I and I don't. I think a lot of people bluff that they're good at them yep. a bit. Um, with jump outs, you don't know what weight. They, they, you could be carrying 85 kilos, and the next one's on, got 45, and you just wouldn't know. Mm. Official trials are different. To me, it's about um, okay, nature strip. Looks great, and there he is again. I haven't seen him race, and like that trial yesterday with Zaki and yeah. Nature Strip and Private Eye and all those. I mean, I'm vaguely interested to see them go through the motions, but uh, as a something that you can glean something from or an important event, you know, yeah. I don't think we should hold up stuff thought, because there's a but, trial but, thirteen uh, at Rose Hill. A horse's first jump out's important, though, isn't it? Just to see that. It- I think as you can owner, take something as an owner, from, yeah, maybe, just to have but... a look and see. Okay, there's something here. But yeah. when when there's the superstars running around, they're sort of are they going through the motions? Are they foxing? Well, it's just an extended gallop with barriers in front of yeah. it for me. <laughs> One thing I I understand from the um, you know the form guide guys like the Gators and the Dinos and all these guys who were really passionate about having some exposure of unraced horses because you need something to, to base your thoughts on. Yep. I used to love the romance of um, the absolute, when they used to parade around for the two-year-old race at Flemington, the first two-year-old of the year or any other one, where you just didn't know. Mm. You just didn't know. You didn't know if it was fast or slow. Then there was the word of mouth thing that came in. There was the ripple through the bookies ring. There was, hey, I've heard Angus's goes real good. Well, mine's better. And the market and... I, I didn't mind the romance of that, but yeah. others overwhelmed that view. Uh, so I'm not going to keep pushing it, but I, I didn't mind the fact that there was a total mystery about one of the nine races or one mm. of the eight races. Yeah, I, I found it quite funny yesterday watching that trial with Nature Strip and all that. There was about six of us in the studio and 
each and every person said a different horse trialed well in the same trial. So I don't know what. But it, but it is there's a level of fascination. There's that horse in Sydney that used to win its trials by ten lengths every every start in the last couple of years. I think it might have been a John Thompson horse, maybe. Most of the ones um, that win them impressively by big margins are total squibs. <laughs> well, total yeah. squibs. They Sounds just don't like know Carlton that. under Dennis Pagan and winning a Wizard Cup. From a fo- mean well, that. from a football perspective, Steve, <laughs> how much interest or. Um, yeah, if you go and see him have a final training session yeah. before the grand final, are you, you looking can't for anything? Yeah. You're not looking. You, you're just making sure everyone gets through. It's a bit of a, you can't really tell how teams are going through the training. But I think in the pre-season now you can. There's only one game, so I think the form line in these community series games will be relevant. Yep. That teams won't tinker too much. What you see is what you'll get. Yeah, and that's been the case a little bit more over the last few years, hasn't it? That final tune-up get a bit more of an accurate reflection. Yeah. How Normally, going. the crap teams are still crap in the preseason. But the funny yes. thing is, because I've got a, a kid in under sixteens, and I, there have been times where every time I pick him up from training, he said, "Oh, yeah, Dad, the vibe was really good tonight. We we really trained well." And I talked to Lou, the coach. We they really trained well. So the, within the bubble of the club, there can be an idea whether they're on mm. or off, or whether the the mood's right. You know, mm. someone's texting. How much is food and drink at the Hong Kong races? Uh, is it expensive? Or Less not, than or? half what it is here okay. at the city meetings. Maybe we should go to Shatin. Uh, I haven't been. I've been to the KL races. That was Same. And what was that experience like for you, Steve? Different. It wasn't a carnival atmosphere, I've got to say. Very serious. All focused on really form, gambling, people with their heads down just looking at form guides. Mm. There wasn't a carnival whatsoever. In fact, it was hard to find a drink. And looking at hints from... You know when you're about to tell a story and you don't know whether you can or not? So I will anyway. Um, I was there many, many years ago at that racetrack. Yes. The, the hotel across the road is called the Palace of the Golden Horses. And the, our instruction was that the, the certain jockey in a certain race, um, you knew by which hand he had the whip in, whether he was today was the day or not. Oh. But then he kept shuffling the whip from hand to hand. And I said to a certain individual there, what does that mean? And he said, I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was called mixed messages. How so. long ago was that? I can't, oh, well, 1990s, late yeah. 90s. Yep. There you go. Uh, all right. Last one for yay or nay. steve this one's for you. Who should Captain Collingwood uh, Darcy Moore, fresh, and can take it on for six, seven years and own it. Is that what uh, Tony Shaw? Well, Tony Shaw said, said Crisp, Jack Crisp. So, which was something. Left What's the field. case for Jack Crisp? Well, consistent, two-time best and fairest winner, much loved, and uh, injury-free. Whereas Darcy Moore, a little bit unpredictable, can be injury-prone. Could so miss six or seven games a year. Well, Pendles never misses games. I can't remember a club and their captaincy vacancy causing so much debate and, and confusion at this time of the year. This has been a real contentious one. Yeah, it has, but it's come up at a quiet time as well. So you, you, you debate issues in footy yeah, that's true. and it's Collingwood. You know, it involves Darcy Moore, the son of a champion. So, And ex-Collingwood players talk. We've had Mickey McGuan mm. give his opinion, Tony Shaw. So, What is I Mickey McGuan? What was his view on it? He was Darcy Moore. Hmm. It seems like he would probably have the the lion's share of the vote from the public, Steve. Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, you'd think so. Mm. But uh, what do you think as a former cheer squad leader at Collingwood? <laughs> no, I used to sit behind the cheer squad. Um, Are you well, that close I... enough? Did you? You must have seen some atrocities there at the Yarra Falls end, was it, or the the grandstand end? Well, the end. Uh, you know, when you're sort of, if I'm facing the Oval now and it's looking away from Melbourne, it was back this way, right behind the that grandstand there. The cheer squad used to sit yeah. behind the goals. Yeah. Or just off to the right from memory. Mm. Um, 
I think Darcy Moore. I think because mm. he's got that air of um, courage and leading by example. And yep. if the other team, the other guys are down, I'll turn it around and I'll do something heroic. So you need a don't you need a captain who's capable of the occasional heroic deed? Mm. Yep. Yep. Hey, uh, Steve, what else is happening in the Well, it's a country uh, flavour today. We're talking about uh, Stony Creek. Yes. Um, you laughed at the name before. Is it... No, it's just so... It's a, it's a random location, isn't it? So, and just uh, hearing about Mark Hunter and being a specialist down there. And and how things get their name. Like the original person who was down there and looked at the creek and said, oh, there's stones in it. Yeah. What are we going to call this joint? Yeah, a lot of stuff. Mate, Bright could have been called Stony Creek too. There's a lot of Stony Creeks around. You'd rather be called Bright if yeah. you're a town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a regular yeah. Brightman. I wonder what they called Orange Orange. True. We could go. This could go on forever. Because <laughs> yeah. this comes back to a discussion I was having with my kids in the car the other day that our ultimate aspiration was to have something named after us. Yeah. Like Lake Stewart, Stewart Drive, um, the Stewart Memorial Oval or something like that. So has that ever been a dream of yours, Steve-O? Uh, maybe a statue in Shep one day. Oh, well, you're the Mayor of Richmond. You'll have something down there soon, won't you? No, what I've got to say, though, is yep. this is getting back to the series. It's a, a real worry, I think, for footy in general. So this has just happened. It's pretty fresh. They voted on this overnight. Coral Rutherglen, mm-hmm. which is a big club in the Ovens mm-hmm. and Murray League, the home of John Longmire, many others, famously in North Melbourne zone uh, through the years, yep. has basically voted last night to go into recess. So they lost 30 players over the off-season. They've had floods. So it'll be voted on officially by the club members on Thursday night, but it looks like they'll go into recess for a year. And you know when you go into recess for a year, history says there, there ain't... No, there's no coming back no. from that. Well, this so, is the Glenorchy story, the King Island story. But it's, this is, yeah, yeah, the significant yeah. footy clubs. It's not, we've had Quambatook on um, going, uh, folding last year. Yep. This is a whole different level. That's quite a big uh, town, or dual big, town. Huge league. Huge league. So uh, it's just alarm bells, I think, for, for footy leagues at the moment when this is happening. Definitely. So it's all due to just fluky things that added up? Yeah, just uh, well, the floods didn't help. Their their change rooms got hit, and they, they lost thirty players. So they just haven't had enough on the track. So I know the AFL they sort of say that they they do well for the bush, but I think it's a worry. We've been on about this for a long time, but clubs of this size very rarely go into recess. It's normally the little sort of district numbers. Well, I, I'm sure thirty years ago there was an overflow of players playing semi-professional football, you know, in the country leagues. But you would have to wonder these days whether there's the number of players in Australia to cater for the number of teams that there are. And, and the commitment of footy these days. I mean, they're talking to young Mick Comerford out there. He's a footballer. He's not playing this year. He's commentating. I know a lot of young guys take years off. Uh, I might be on a rival station. Oh. And who does that loose unit play footy for? I think he was at St Bernard's or somewhere like that. So he's having a it's year in recess as well. So it's just, I think you find in sport in general, it's the commitment playing week in, week out, training. You used to do it. In, it was a simpler life back uh, 10, 20 years ago. You'd just mm. stay at your club and you'd spend every weekend at your footy club or cricket club. Mm. Hey, steve can I ask you something that you just alluded to that I wonder whether racing and other sports might be heading in this direction where the administration's very, very city-centric and, and doesn't quite understand. Like, I, I think that in some jurisdictions in racing, it's very city-centric and you just suggested then that maybe the AFL's focusing on the big time and doesn't do they grasp the absolute importance of the grassroots Well they do have stuff? AFL Victoria they've got uh, you know Country Vic and whatever but I think this is growing up in the country even where I started in the Shepherd and News it was a story back then that look they they think about the big game and mm. outside of that they sort of have half a crack at it but 
do they really embrace the country footy? I'd love to see Gil McLaughlin turn up a couple of sad days yeah. in, in different places. He get watches get out to Oyen or get out to, you know, to the bush. I think the country needs that at the moment, particularly with the floods and all the things that have happened. So if I was Gil on a PR train, you'd be up there opening of the footy somewhere. Yeah, get up to the ovens and Murray. The big city stuff is where the big money comes from and they tend to get very focused on where the big earnings are coming from, don't they? I used to play at Uni Blues. Gil... Obviously, a legend of Uni Blues. He would occasionally go and watch the the Blues seniors play. Didn't often walk over to the Crawford and watch the 19s. But uh, how many years ago was that? Oh, that would be five years ago now. I played a couple of years in the under 19s there. Okay. Tim Rourke, president? Uh, no, I can't remember who was yeah. president at the time. Gil McLaughlin kicked one of the best goals I've ever seen. You might have look it up on YouTube. Right. A, a big he, bloke. Could he, he go goes, a bit? Yeah, right? he could go. He played uh, Vic Amateurs, played for the big V Amateurs. He, he picks up the ball in one hand and does like a, a dummy spin, a turn, a blind turn, and then snaps one. What about Hamish? Uh, I'm not sure. I think about he was more the polo, wasn't he? Tennis. I played more of tennis. Yeah, tennis. Craft, that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. A gentler play, pursuit, you might yeah, say. Yeah, he type. He used to turn up in an old-fashioned vest, you know, a knitted vest. Bob, <laughs> <laughs> knitted vest. Yeah, yeah. Hamish yeah. rocked up in Wimbledon a knitted vest. Style, yeah. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Well, he's that type of character, Hammer. Yeah, I don't, I'm sure he's probably listening. He might be able to confirm or Very deny good that player. rumor. Very good. A couple of SMSs before we let you go. Dingley will be lucky to get an under 19s after having 30 last year. There's just no juniors coming through. So, you know, as we touched on a bit of an issue with grassroots. I level, think with COVID, lost a bit of momentum too. People's definitely. habits changed. Mm. And, yep. and, and it was a bit of a gap there, and we haven't quite recovered. Steve, Maybe. I'll leave you with this one, Steve. It's from Dennis and Shepparton. What would be written on the plaque of the <laughs> statue of Steve O? Mm. If, if Steve O wrote it or if someone else wrote someone, it. It'd, get, it'd probably start with a W if someone else wrote it. RSN 927's <laughs> AFL editor. He's the number one man in news I when it comes have to football. I should have said that. Give us in 180, words or le- 180 characters or less what you'd put on the Steve O statue plaque. Steve O time, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to catching up with you each and every day here on the Big V. All good. Good news in Tassie too, of course, and the Hawthorne partnership. We'll talk more about that throughout the afternoon with the great John Henry. Yeah, look forward to hearing from you then. Good on you, Steve O.